Guys, we're also brought to you by Hapius, premium CBD that won't break the bank. It's perfect for first-time users who want to try it because it comes with a work-safe guarantee, which means there's no THC, as well as a quality product that even the vets and seasoned users will love. Try out their number two daily tincture, which is a good daily use for your overall wellness. Their number eight, which is a sleep aid that's perfect for any nighttime routine. And their number 14, a freeze roll-on that'll melt away all the joint and muscle aches and pains you got going on. Check them out on hapiusmed.com or grab a product or bundle and save. Check them out, hapiusmed.com, H-E-P-I-U-S-M-E-D.com. We're also brought to you by Soundhelm Audio. It's the premier maker of the AFIX Near Ear Audio System. Soundhelm Audio brings you the best of both worlds and is revolutionizing the way you listen to music while wearing an open-ear helmet. Keep yourself fully immersed in your environment without sacrificing your music or safety. The Soundhelm Audio System mounts right to your open-ear helmet, which makes it perfect for any activity, whether that's mountain biking, climbing, or taking your kids on a bike ride, which is amazing. Imagine that. Having your helmet on, being able to hear everything that's going on around you and your music. Soundhelm is locally designed and manufactured in Utah and comes with a lifelong battery and the sleek speaker pods that will give you the best ride ever. Check them out on their website, soundhelmaudio.com. Helm is spelled H-E-L-M, soundhelmaudio.com. Visit them on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Take your shit by the helm and take your music with you with Soundhelm Audio. Today I had the pleasure of speaking with Brad Madsen, who's a local attorney here in Utah. And we get to talk about everything from what it's like to be an attorney here in Utah to all of his experiences about what that means and what we do from there. And uh, I, he's just a really good buddy of mine. I invited him on the show so that we could just have a great sit-down conversation. He's a, and he's actually really funny. So you got to check this out. Brad Madsen, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, everybody. This is Dalton Jensen, and you're tuning into The Thinking Project. We're rolling. I did one of these with, um, um, oh my gosh, Brian Ruggles. Yeah. That was the funniest episode I've, been, I've ever I've done. I've been waiting life. for the Brian Ruggles episode. You're going to die when you hear it, man. Uh-huh. He went crazy. But it's a good crazy. He is a good kind of crazy. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what he had to say. He, uh, We mostly talked about chocolate, okay. but uh, he got into his, his uh, kind of libertarian views, right. <laughs> his right. political stuff on there. And I thought it was funny because, uh, first of all, I love Brian. And as far as politics for me... I just posted a question on Facebook, actually. Like, what do you do when you don't know who to vote for? And I should not have told that to him. Oh, to Brian. <laughs> he's, he's funny about, like, voting and about, uh, you know, his um, libertarian views, I'm sure. Well, generally. Yeah. Um, I actually was, was just posting on Facebook. Uh, and a friend of mine from high school who now lives in Idaho Falls, who's very much a libertarian, chimed in. And yeah. I mentioned that, uh, you know, I read both of Ron Paul's books, The Manifesto and whatever the follow-up to The Manifesto was when I was in law school. Okay. And I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Because uh, he presents a very reasoned approach to policy and politics. And back then, I went looking. I wanted to yeah. find... Like what? What is the the liberal version of Ron Paul? Yeah. Who out there has set forth um, a an ideology based on reason that can be applied to you know whatever policy question you've got and come to what appears to be a reasoned answer? And I couldn't find anything. <laughs> and and I I was left with the conclusion that nobody else is even trying yeah. to have like a theory and I'll use the word reason again. To their approach to politics, everybody else is driven by um, either specific policy, um, I'll call them pets that yeah, they like, yeah. or, or you know, broader emotions yeah. that, that drive them to what they want to do. So I have a soft spot for libertarians. I wouldn't say right. I'm a libertarian, <laughs> but uh, no. there's sure. a lot of appeal to it. Yeah, I think uh, 
for me, like like I said, I haven't even read any of the comments on this post that I just made, but yeah. um, I'm just like, man, I don't know. But so now you work now you mainly work. Um, you work in a law firm, and you mainly work with like litigation. So what is that? Because I hear that word all the time, but I don't think a lot of people know what it means. Right. Unless you're a lawyer. Right. Well, I, I can explain this. Okay. okay? Deal. Um, I can remember being in law school and as a, we call them 1Ls, your first year of law school, you're considered a 1L. I, I don't even know where the term comes from, but, <laughs> sure. but I'm a 1L in law school. And uh, students are asking this question. They're saying, well, what do you think you're going to be? I mean, it's kind of either litigation or transactional. Yeah. And I, I didn't know what they meant. Right. I guess I didn't do my homework. I just went to law school yeah. thinking we yeah. all became attorneys and that was that. Yeah. Uh, and I remember someone being like, well, you know, litigators, uh, they like go to court, and they argue and they have trials. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you could be a, a, a criminal prosecutor is maybe yeah. a type of litigator. You could be a civil litigator that deals with disputes over money. Yeah, um, you could be a family law litigator with deals with disputes over families. Yeah, and they finished their explanation of litigation. I said, "So you mean a lawyer?" Right. And yeah, you're like that's what it is. That that's what it is. Yeah. In my mind, that was lawyering. There was not yeah. there was not a lawyer in the world in my mind that didn't prepare for and go to court and advocate for a client. Right. But there are. Oh man. Right. In <laughs> fact, the first question you get asked in law school is, yeah. "Do you want to be a litigator or?" A transactional attorney. The transactional attorney generally does not go to court, yeah. does not advocate for a client. Um, he helps organize deals, right. deal with the different regulations, make sure that you're complying with, um, you know, whatever government right. entity is over that uh, that transaction. And I can't even I can't even like describe it well because I yeah. don't do hardly any transactional law. I yeah. do a little bit of contract preparation in a pretty specific area. Um, if you happen yeah. to be supplying motor fuels or lubricants at, from a wholesaler <laughs> to a retailer, I, that yeah. is like the one area of transaction I do. Everything else I do is litigation, which means go. disputes. Yeah. If you're in a fight with somebody, if somebody owes you money, if somebody's hurt you, if somebody um, is trying to take you to court to make you pay something, you yeah. hire a litigator and, uh, you know, they kind of duke it out for you. There you go. And it's important and it's important to have a litigator then I'm assuming. You can't go like in the movies where you represent yourself. No. <laughs> people do it. Are um, you serious? Oh yeah. And why would you do that? There's nothing more miserable than being involved in litigation where the other side's not represented by an attorney. Oh jeez. Yeah. Um, because despite our reputation, attorneys are actually much more professional and much more reasonable than the actual parties. Right. I'm sure. Yeah. And they know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. So right? yeah, when you have to deal, you call them pro se, it means yeah. for yourself, pro se litigants. Um, it's, it's miserable and it usually doesn't last. Yeah. They, they get a lot of leeway from judges. Oh geez. Like a, a pro se litigant will get away with things in court, in filing, blowing deadlines, um, yeah. not observing the rules that an actual attorney would never get away with. Really? But eventually it catches up to them. Right, because you can't keep going on yeah. like that forever. Yeah, and either they, generally speaking, screw up their own case or they wind up hiring an attorney. Yeah, and, uh, and that attorney's probably super pissed when they get involved because it's like, dude, yeah. why did you wait this long? <laughs> it's it's rough. Uh, it's jumping into a case either that another attorney's been handling or that a client has been handling themselves. It's yeah. not ideal. If you want to start at the beginning. Yeah, for sure. So what made you want to be an attorney in general? Well, this got deep quick. Yeah, it did. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, it was a combination of things. Um, I think that I was drawn to it because I was told I'd be good at it. Okay. You know, people who knew me um, really well all suggested that uh, I would do well as an attorney. Um, I think people who wind up in professional school, yeah. whether they're attorneys, dentists, doctors, MBA students, yeah. you know, any of those professional degrees, I think they tend to be risk averse. Yeah, right? yeah, for uh, sure. Because rather than, than starting a business that is risky and maybe has a lot of upside, uh, I won't say you settle, but you, you go for the more sure thing. You spend yeah. an extra three to five years in school. Right. I didn't graduate until I was 30, so I like to tell yeah. people I didn't have a job <laughs> until I was 30. Right. right. Uh, but then you're you're in a fairly stable situation. Right. So, sure. Yeah. You know that that was some of the appeal. Um, 
I never tried to get into medical school. You know, that's kind of right. a joke because <laughs> the lawyers are all the guys who didn't get into medical school. <laughs> I've never heard it. Yeah. I, yeah I'm sure I <laughs> that's could awesome. not have gotten into medical school. So <clears throat> yeah. maybe, maybe it was just yeah. the most advanced degree I thought I could obtain. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, what's funny is um, I like that. I like your story on that because it's like um, everybody told you that you were good as a lawyer. I can't imagine. I've never said that about somebody. Why do you think they said that about you specifically? Like, oh, man, Brad, you'd be a really yeah. great attorney. <laughs> yeah, you wonder, right? Yeah, because, like, I I grew up and, like, um, everybody was like, oh, Dalton, you'll be a good salesman. And then my senior year, I won uh, most likely to be a con artist in high school. <laughs> so I ended up in sales. So yeah. there you go. I'm not a con artist, yeah. but I thought it was funny. But that's what people like because I like to talk to people. I like to... Uh, you know, just get out there and stuff. And so people were like, oh, yeah, you should be in sales. But, like, what made people think, I don't know, that's kind of, have you ever thought about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have. Um, Do you look at any of your kids or anybody younger and be like, man, you'd be a really good attorney? Not my kids. You know, okay. for me, I, I mean, I was involved in debate. Yeah. Um, and and had some success at that, you know, in debate and speech. And yeah. I think a lot of people just assume if, if you did well in debate, then you probably have the skills that would lend themselves well to right. advocacy. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, you wonder what do, how do other people evaluate you? Which is valuable sure. because self-evaluation yes. Yes. is so hard. Right. Right. You're, you're, right. You've got all the wrong biases when it comes to yourself. Um, and all you have to do is talk to people and realize, like most of us, yeah. we evaluate ourselves very incorrectly. Well, yes, right? yes. <laughs> I think of it like your breath. Like yeah. you don't smell that it stinks until somebody else tells you it does. <laughs> right, right. It's kind of like that. Um, so oh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, well, good I, I hope it's not that they had the perception that I, uh, you know, attorneys sometimes have a reputation for dishonesty or deceit. I hope oh, that's yes. not what they perceived. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yes, uh, I've heard, I've been a car, so I was a car salesman oh, yeah. and, uh, I heard the jokes all the time. you like, if you, it was either like, if a lawyer lied more, he'd be a used car salesman. Or if a used car salesman lied more, he should, he'd be a lawyer or something right. like that. Right? right. Like, and I was like, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Right. Because it's, because I think both sides are necessary, right? Like lawyers, right. You need somebody to defend right. you whether or not, you know what I mean? To keep the whole system working. Uh -huh. Right. Uh -huh. You know, and people um, people ask me, "What do you do when your client's guilty?" And I'm I'm making air quotes around the phrase yeah, "guilty" because yeah, yeah. that's a criminal law phrase. My clients aren't guilty or innocent. They're right. They're maybe liable. But right. Guilty. Right. Um, but the truth is, is when people decide that it's worth paying an attorney, there's usually a genuine dispute. Yeah. And things just aren't clear. Right. I right. mean, everybody's got a really good argument for why they should win, and things that go to trial doubly so. I mean, if people yeah. decide not to settle. It's because both sides are very convinced they're right, um, wow. and the attorneys are convinced they're right too. So, uh, you know, I've had I've had clients that I think overestimate the strength of their position, and I'll tell them that. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I've ever had a client where I just thought this person's absolutely wrong, and we're just advocating for something that's unjust. <laughs> yeah. I and I don't know. For me, if I were in that position, cause I feel like I like to see things from everybody's point of view. And so if I had a, if I were representing somebody who I thought were guilty, I mean, I'd want to, it's fair representation, right? You'd want to at least make sure that they got through the process right. the right way. You know what I mean? Because you know, how many people end up in jail for something they didn't do. Right. Yeah. Or, or like, or they just get a really, or they just get really shafted in court or something like that. You know what I mean? I had a few mm -hmm. friends who they were totally wrong. I grew up in a really crazy part of Iowa and they were totally wrong. But I also saw like, they just kind of didn't get, like, it wasn't fair. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they were wrong, but did you really have to do that? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, but anyway, but you just mostly deal with, like you said, you mostly deal with like contracts and stuff. It's, it's always money. Always so, money. Yeah. The only thing at stake in any of my cases is, is money. I mean, there's, there's yeah. the possibility that somebody could be asking for, some relief that's not money, but it would be for uh, maybe specific performance, meaning somebody has to do something they promised to do in a contract, or oh, injunction, yeah. meaning they have to stop doing something. Uh, but things would have to go very, very badly, like off the rails bad, <laughs> for one of my clients to wind up in jail because oh, of one geez. of my cases. Oh, wow. So yeah. most of the time it's, it's, it's money, but it's not like 
20 years in jail, five years in no, jail, something never. like that. Okay, no. cool. Uh, cause I feel like that would be, that would add a little more stress. Yeah. Oh gosh, that would be stressful. Yeah. You're like, dude, if I don't win, someone's going to jail or someone's sh- getting off or I showed up at court, um, for oral argument on what I thought was a very important motion. Yeah. You know, a lot of money on the line. Right. Um, my client was there. We were all super nervous really about yeah. getting this going and seeing what the outcome of this motion was going to be. And it just so happened that before us, the thing happening in court before our turn was a man being sentenced to prison. Oh, geez. And for 15 minutes, we sat there as he was sentenced to prison, marched out in ankle irons and handcuffs, kisses oh, his six-year-old geez. daughter goodbye. And by the time Jeez, we got up man. to argue over, you know, it might have been yeah. a million plus bucks that day. I forget. Yeah, yeah. But by the time we get up to argue about it, we're like, wow. Oh, my God. I mean, we, we felt like we were abusing the system, using these important <laughs> resources to argue about money yeah. when we're watching people literally like, deal with life, yeah. you know, freedom, yeah. liberty, and um, and the absence of that. Jeez, yeah. that's nuts, man. That would be really nerve-wracking. I would really feel uh, inadequate walking up to a situation like that yeah. sometimes. You know, um, <laughs> what what you heard say about the practice of criminal defense yeah. is the best cases are the ones where you know your client is guilty. Oh, really? <laughs> less, oh, but yeah, it's less stressful. Less stressful. You're Defending like, an innocent mm-hmm. man would be terrifying. Yeah, that would be really right. scary. But if you get, yeah, I guess that'd be true, right? I guess so, man. Why yeah. not? Yeah, take my comments on criminal law with a grain of salt. No, oh, that's geez. not what I do. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I? You know what I like to ask people. All right, what's up? All right, so yeah. I'm, I'm flipping the the script here and asking right, you deal. questions. Right? Let's do it. Um, so I, I meet yeah people who have enough money to hire attorneys to fight over more money, right? Yeah. So generally, people with quite a bit of money. Right. I like to ask them how they got where they're at, and you kind of know that about me already. Yeah. Right. I decided to go to law school because it didn't seem like there's anything else I could do well. <laughs> right. Uh, but then I ask them what what would you do differently if you're starting over? Yeah. So like if you weren't uh, if you hadn't gone into sales, what do you imagine yeah. you would have done? Oh man, that was actually a scary thought for me because that's why I went into sales. I so when I was growing up, I um, so f- first of all the town I was in was a factory town, uh-huh. so um, a lot of like machinery, uh, late nights, like th- first, second, and third shift. Like I don't know a lot of my friends around here know what first, second, and third shifts are. Right. You know what I mean? Like first is nine to five. Uh-huh. Second is, I think it's uh, like it's one to nine. And then you got like, so anyway, it's all night. Like third shift is like seven at night to seven in the morning. And then you switch. Graveyard. Uh, yeah, everybody switches. Um, and see, I don't even know what they are because I didn't want to know what they were. So I was like, I'm not doing any of that. I'm not going to have to worry about shifts. So and then on top of that, because I just didn't, you know, I just saw how everything was in my own town and I didn't like it. And then the second thing was uh, my grandfather, who's still alive, he is a general contractor. Mm-hmm. And so every Saturday I would uh, have to go work for my grandpa. And I would just, I mean, at a construction site, and I would do the stuff nobody wanted to do. So like insulation or picking up all the trash or doing something just like that all these other guys did not want to do. And I, and I remember telling myself every time I had to go work for my grandpa, like, I am not going to, I'm going to go do something, find some, I was like, at first it was, I'm going to go to school. So I never have to do this again. But you don't, I realized after I got off my LDS mission that, um, you don't necessarily have to go to school to get out of of a lifestyle you want to be in. Um, but I ended up going to school, getting an accounting degree. And then, uh, but just like what we were talking about earlier, um, everybody told me I was going to be good at sales. Like I was not, I could make friends wherever I went. It was not easy for me to walk into a room or excuse me. It was not hard for me to walk into a room full of people. I didn't know. I didn't know one single person and and walk out with three or four friends and go do something afterwards with people I didn't even know. So, uh, and it's paid off for me pretty good. I can go, I can talk to anybody about anything for as long as we Mm want to talk to. (laughs) I've talked to a lot of really weird people, especially in car sales. So are you saying you, you wouldn't do anything differently? You know what? Uh, no, because I tried, I've tried to live my life to where I don't have to say that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'd rather live with the regret of failing uh-huh. than the regret of not trying something. Yeah. So that's why, like, I started a podcast. Uh, I started a, a business. Um, uh, I went into car sales when everybody, like, 100% commission when everybody told me that was dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, you just got married. You want to have kids, you know? 
uh, you can't go take a 100% commission job and just get, and be just married. It worked out. And here you are. Yeah, it worked yeah. out. <laughs> so, uh, which is, you know, part of the reason why I like, uh, but you know what, though? Back to your point about, like, the professional degrees. Yeah. I don't think that's easy. Like, that's, I to me, to me, I've seen, uh, I, I've taken some of the upper-level accounting mm-hmm. classes to get, like, an MBA and stuff, and... Uh, I don't know if I. Mm. It's it's a hurdle. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't think everybody can do it. I think a sure. lot of people sure. who don't do it are very capable of doing it. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think a lot of people who are capable make the right decision to not do it, despite being capable of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think whatever, like you know, kind of, I don't know. Happiness for me is like a guiding point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if you. A lot of people like when I started this podcast, we were that you had to put it in a category, and I struggled with putting it in an entrepreneurial category because mm-hmm. I think that word is overused, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think people. Uh, have you ever seen The Princess Bride? Oh yes. Yes. So my, one of my favorite lines, and I use it all the time, is "You keep using that word, but I don't think it means what you think it means." Right. <laughs> and that's how I feel about when people say the word entrepreneur. Like uh-huh. you keep saying that word, but I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> I think you find that, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of people with professional degrees working as attorneys, dentists, whatever, Mm -hmm. if you ask them, what, what would you do differently? A lot of them would be like, Oh, I would be an entrepreneur. Oh, geez. Well, and I think they're full of it because I could stop what I'm doing today and try to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everybody, everybody thinks that they, they could do it. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's. And that's what I kind of said. So, like, I, I'm not a college basher. I think if you want to go to college, go to college. If you don't want to go to college, don't go to college. If you want to get a master's or a PhD, go do it, man. Whatever right. floats your boat. Um, I just think that the lessons, I think people try to, eat, like, even with entrepreneurism, which is hard, or getting a professional degree, which is hard, people still try to take the path of least resistance. So, they're st- like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur because it's easier than going to a PhD. And I'm like... Get ready for that, man. Right. <laughs> you right. have no clue, <laughs> or vice versa, right? Uh, I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a master's or a PhD so that I never have to, you know, or so that I never have to worry about money. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm, I know, I know, master's people's in 08 oh, yeah. and now who don't have a job and have a master's degree. You know, I I would not say I'm a college basher. Yeah, but I I do tend to caution people. Yeah, um, about the the cost and the economic opportunities that your degree might or might not bring. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. So my, my law school class graduated in 2009 at our graduation. Um, the keynote speaker told us that we were graduating into the worst legal market since the great depression. Wow. And you know, BYU is relatively cheap. That's where I went to law school. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I knew kids graduating with 150, $200,000 in debt. Jeez. And I, I know from my graduating class, a handful of people who never practiced law wow. because no one was hiring at the time. Yeah. That would be kind of a, that would kind of suck. Yeah. It was horrible. Going into all that debt mm-hmm. and then getting out and not, you know what I mean? And I know a lot of people do it, right? Like I'm an accountant and I'm in sales, but I feel like they go together very loosely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, getting a law degree and then not practicing yeah. law. You know, with debt like I was talking about, one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars plus. Yeah, geez. even if you get a job. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I know I know people still paying off student debt fifteen years into their career. Yeah. Uh, and it's not without consequence. I mean, these are people right. who will candidly tell you that there are things they do, uh, things they don't do, because they have to consider whatever the thousand, fifteen hundred bucks a month yeah. in student debt they have yeah. to be paying. Yeah. A lot of them regret it. I mean, I, I talk yeah. to people who regret going to law school, becoming wow. lawyers often. Yeah. Wow. And see, I don't know. Do you watch The Office? I have seen The Office. You've yes. seen The Office. So on yeah. the last episode, uh, Andy says something like, um, one of the characters says, uh, I wish you knew you were in the good old days, yeah. right? Um, and I wonder, that's kind of the paradox, though, that I live in, right? Is kind of like you do want to do something that you love but you might end up regretting it. And it's like, well, you know, they hate going to law school. Well, I guess you could get out of law, right? Yeah. Go find something to do. Right. right? Yeah. You know, I'm sure you meet enough people as a lawyer that, uh, people who like you, like 
who would be like, ah. In fact, that's how I lose most of most of the salespeople that I hire. Uh, like, they'll be really good. They'll yeah. they'll sell a car to somebody, and they're like, wow, I really like you. You should come work for me. I'll pay you more. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Right. <laughs> Jump ship. Yeah, you, you see attorneys <laughs> do that. Often they'll become um, first in-house general counsel for somebody. Sure. And then they'll try to transition into just business management. Yeah. And that's, that is the successful way out of law right oh there you go up the ladder (laughs) but there's off the ladder all sorts of ways yeah uh, the world is full of lawyers who just decided to do something else some successfully some not yeah wow man but that i think is the conundrum of life though yeah is like you try something and it doesn't work so you try something different right do you do you look back and do you see like missed opportunities that you just kick yourself about you're too young. You're 20, 20 something, right? Yeah. Well, I have, um, I'm 26, but I have, I have, uh, things that I look back on that I'm like, I should have done sooner. Yeah. Yeah. I should have done that sooner. Like I should have, you know, started a business sooner or uh-huh. started this sooner. Like I should have done it the first time I felt like I was supposed to do it. Right? right. Um, what about you? I can think of two things. All right, go, let's go. Okay. One was during high school. Yeah. Um, and I'm old, yeah. know, relatively old. So, so high school is like, you know, I graduated in 99. This was like my sophomore, junior year. Yeah. Okay. The internet is a new thing back then. <laughs> and I learned that my buddy is um, using like message boards to buy and sell video games. Oh, yeah. And it was without inter- intermediate, no intermediary like PayPal, yeah, right, and no regulatory group like like an Amazon to handle it. I told yeah. him it's crazy. Yeah, what you need is somebody who will act as an intermediary or an escrow <laughs> and receive the money from one side, the video game from the other side. Oh, Once they geez. have them both, send them on their way. Oh no! And he's a computer programmer. Yeah. So we <gasps> we develop you know, like business in our basement yeah. that is a website for the buying and selling of video games initially with the idea to eventually sell anything yeah. with an intermediary ask, acting as escrow so that there's some security involved with it. Yeah, yeah. So we, we get that up and going. I think we have like two or three transactions. Oh my goodness. And then we get bored of it. No, yeah. stop it. Yeah, we're like, eh. Are you serious? College is around the corner. We're going to no. go on missions. So we enter... The online retail, you know, uh, I, I'd Thing call it escrow sales in the like mid mid to late 90s. And then we just give up on it because we're bored. No. Yeah. You could have made millions. You well, could have been Amazon. Well, I don't know if it would have been Amazon. <laughs> but You'd uh, been so- Somebody would have snatched you up because yeah. here's the funny thing. You know, you hear those stories. Yeah. Somebody would have snatched you up for sure. Maybe. And That's a way cool idea. <laughs> you know, and, and we... we you know, oh, there were all there were all sorts of little things along the way. Yeah, it sounds it probably sounds like a bigger deal than it was. Yeah, but it was. You well, know, hindsight's the, the time, Yeah, and at the time, you know, we we really would have been kind of in the early days of online retail or online yeah. uh, sales. So yeah, something. The other one was uh, post mission. So I'm probably 21. Yeah, I take a door to door sales job in California. Okay, I'm selling alarms. Yeah, for what is now Vivint, then it was Apex. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Right? Wow. I'm not great at it. Let me get that out of the way. Door to door sales, not my thing. Yeah. But one day I'm out, I'm walking through the park, and I hear a woman speaking Portuguese. And I had been on my mission in Brazil. So I, I stop and I start speaking to her in Portuguese. And um, after about 10 minutes of speaking Portuguese, she says, You know, your Portuguese is yeah. really good. My son, who was playing soccer on the field at the time, he's like yeah. eight or nine, he's not learning Portuguese, and his dad's an oil executive, so he's never home. So we need somebody to wow. like come to our home regularly, speak Portuguese with us, help our kid learn Portuguese. And I look at her, I'm like, ah, oh, I mean, that sounds really attractive, but I got this door-to-door thing going. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Dang it. <laughs> so I, I look at those two things. I'm uh, like, yeah, maybe, you ran maybe that something one. was there. You should have ran that a little bit further, huh? Yeah. That, But that's cool, though. Like, I, I like those experiences because then you can look back and say, like, I, you know, the next experience comes around, hopefully. Yeah. And you and you can jump on it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you're right. I mean, I mean, like we said, right. Hindsight's twenty twenty, And you sure you could have kept going those and made millions or you could have like 
kept going with them and not done anything. You never know. You never know, you never right? Know. So you just, I mean, so what's the point then? Right. You know what I mean? I think part of it is um, just doing the right thing that you feel like is right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's, so do you have any like um, crazy stories about being an attorney? Any just like, oh, yeah. you're like, man, that was nuts. You don't have to share details, but I'd like to hear a crazy story, like just one that was just one that took you off the wall. So I I could tell a story about any jury trial. Um, Are jury trials nuts? Yeah, I feel like if I do, you feel like it's a gamble when you go to absolutely. Jury? Okay, absolutely. Because I've I've felt, I've said that, mm-hmm. and I've had a couple of friends be like, "No way!" Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, man. There's twelve people you don't know. No, we we. Um, at the end of every trial, we ask the jurors if they would like to talk to us. They can leave a phone number, and we'll give them a call. Um, and what I have learned talking to juries after jury trials is they are generally making their decisions based on things that the court specifically told them not to consider. Oh, my gosh. Um, on arguments that nobody made. Holy and cow. And on assumptions about facts that just there wasn't evidence for. I mean, they're, they're wow. filling in all the holes. Right, that what? the law and the presentation leads for them. Um, so yeah, it's it's very much a gamble. I would say that I think generally speaking, jurors do justice. Yeah. Right. Their version yeah. of justice and what they do, I think most of us would say is is fair and just, but yeah. it's it's often not what the law yeah. anticipates yeah. or not what the facts they were presented would would suggest. Yeah. Uh, so jury trials are, are always crazy. Um, yeah. But I, I have a, an interesting story about a client. Okay. Okay. So right. I'm sitting at my desk one day <laughs> and uh, I get a phone call. It's the front desk. They say there's, there's a guy on the phone kind of rambling. Yeah. And I go, okay, let's, let's see what it's about. Right. Okay. Uh, I take the call and sure enough, um, this guy is talking like he is suffering from some narcotic. Okay. I mean, just, just rambling 100 miles an hour, breaking down and crying at times telling me a story about how he thinks uh, somebody essentially stole his house from him, convinced him oh, to geez. sell his house yeah. under really unfair terms, um, you know, without his consent while he, while he was possibly suffering from a brain injury. Oh, mm. interesting. That's what I said. Yeah. I said, brain injury, what are you talking about? Yeah. And uh, he explains that about four years before that day, four years before he called me, yeah, he had been in a big box store and a display had fallen over and hit him on the head. And that ever since then, no he had been way. unable to work, um, unable to function, and believed he had a brain injury. Uh, personal injury is not my thing necessarily, yeah, right? but that was interesting. Yeah. So I, I had him come in. He shows up carrying a backpack with every document he's ever had in his life. And I, I about conclude that he's homeless. Yeah. But sure enough, he has an incident report from this big box store where the manager says, yeah, this thing fell on his head. He came and told us about it. Um, he was, you know, seemed disoriented after it happened. So we, we pick it up and we run with it. It works out very well. Yeah. Um, you know, I take the case a year and a half later or so. We get a sizable settlement. Yeah. Um, and then he explains to me that the day he called me, he had already spoken with 10 other attorneys and every one of them told him to take a hike. Oh, that he geez. was, he, he has a history of substance abuse. Okay. Sure. But that he was outside of a liquor store and that he called me because he wanted one more person to kick him to the curb, to give him an excuse to like, go do something crazy. Fall off the wagon. And yeah. Start just go, go, yeah. go to crazy. Yeah. Wow. So I, I, what a story. I think what I learned from that is uh, you take the call and you talk to the person and you listen. Yeah, no kidding. It worked out well. Ask the right questions. I'm sure you, I'm sure you drilled him. Well, I let him talk a lot. Yeah. And I, I don't think most people are willing to talk a lot. Um, I say that, but I, I also have to add that I get, I get yeah. phone calls from people that I conclude are crazy all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, no way, dude. Yeah, don't call back here. Sorry, I can't help you. Can't but that's interesting. Yeah. You know what? Um, I like that story. That's a really cool story. You know what's interesting is, um, have you read anything by Malcolm Gladwell? I don't think so. No. Okay. Yeah. There's a book he wrote called Talking with Strangers. 
um, where he writes, I mean, so especially in the political atmosphere that we're in right now with the black lives matter movement, um, and Trump and Biden and all these things, right? It's actually a, there's probably, I have limited reading knowledge, but this one is probably the most like applicable to what we're dealing with right now. Mm -hmm. At the beginning of the book, he talks about going to shoot. So these, interestingly enough, it's not attorneys who do this. It's, it's, um, it's, IT students, hmm. computer science students mm-hmm. who do this. They go to Chicago. They make this um, artificial intelligence. Hmm. They say, we're going to test this out. Um, and this is back to your jury thing because I've, I've always thought this was fat, like freaking crazy. So they go, okay, we've got this AI. We're going to go to the city of Chicago. We're going to take the last... I'm, I'm going to paraphrase. You're going to have to read the book to get the exact numbers. But we're going to go the, like the past five or ten years of, of criminal cases. Mm-hmm. And we're, and we're going to go through and look at the judge's verdict. And then we're going to take – and then they're going to put the – use the AI. They're going to put the AI – and all they're going to give the AI is the name, the person's rap sheet, essentially, mm-hmm. air quotes, right? And that's it. you, you got a name and a rap sheet, nothing else. So when you, I, I mean, when you go and, because the book explains like when you go for a criminal trial, you get like to the point where the judge says you either get bail or you don't get bail mm-hmm. until we go to trial. Um, so out of, anyway, long story short, this AI actually predicts 80% better mm-hmm. who gets released, right? Um, and like repeat offenders. So they actually like the the software that these guys made mm-hmm. based on like really high level statistics um, judged better than a judge on who would like be let go and repeat offenders. And but the judge had more info, mm. like could see him, could ask him questions, could like, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, some cases are dicey, right? Some some of these can be like, eh, do I really trust this person to tell me the truth or or this guy, you know what I mean? Right. So anyway, they use, um, he uses AI. They use AI in court and actually predict it better. Hmm. Have you seen anything like read anything like that? Like AI in in court cases or like, no, do you think it would ever, ah, oh, man, the, I feel- the closest I have to experience with that was, um, a client of mine calls me one day Yeah, and he says, Hey, uh, a prosecutor or an investigator, I forget which, but criminal right, side, right. right? Somebody working for the state investigating yeah. and prosecuting crimes calls me and they're trying to get me to confess to this crime. And I'm like, what, what? are you talking about? He's like, yeah, yeah they, they say that they've got a photo and that they use facial recognition software oh, and they geez. know it's me. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what, you know, he tells me what he's accused of and he's like, I, I mean, I wasn't there. It's not me. It's nothing like that. Right. And I, I my advice to him was well, like, you know, show up when they want you to show up yeah. and just explain to them that it's not you and see what happens. Yeah. He does. And when he meets with them, they essentially look at the photo, look at him and go, yeah, the computer got it wrong. Yeah. But yeah, this, yeah, yeah. this has been in the news lately. They're apparently right, the right. state of Utah is using facial recognition software yeah. to try to identify suspects and criminals. And what in this case, freak? yeah, in this case, yeah, no, it was he, just he was like, dude, you're totally off base. Nothing to do with him. Right. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about like facial recognition, mm-hmm. but this was just like, this was just based on like statistics. So this was actually the, like, n- like they had nothing like you couldn't look at them. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the whole premise of the book is like, um, yeah. talking like first impressions with talking with people can really lead poorly. Right. You know, because we think we're so, well, like we were talking earlier, right? Like we're so good. We're good at judging people yeah. when we're really like not good at judging. people. No, I've, I've cynically said before yeah. that the idea that a jury is uh, an efficient or good way to get to the truth. Yeah, is it's it? Not, I, I don't know, man. I mean, you take yeah. uh, a civil trial is usually 10 jurors, right? okay. not 12. Okay. Um, but you take 10 people and they're selected pretty much at random. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you present them with probably a really complex story. Right? Yeah. Dealing with, uh, we, we had a trial that was over uh, a car fire. We sued yeah. Hyundai. I can tell you all about this because it's been in the news. Yeah, yeah. We sued Hyundai alleging that their car started a fire. Yeah. And most of the trial was experts, people with PhDs and above. Yeah, in, yeah. In 
electrical engineering oh, and, um, you know, and fire, <laughs> to put it simply. And yeah. they, they went on for a day each. I mean, there, there was an expert who went on for an entire day about why the car could or couldn't start a fire. There was another expert who went on for a day about whether oh the car could or couldn't start a fire. And then we asked these 10 people who may not have any background in Zero. automotive, electrical yeah. engineering or anything. Zero. And we believe that they are the better arbiters of truth in that situation than anything else we could come up with. <laughs> I, I mean, there are other avenues. You could hire, yeah. uh, you could agree to arbitrate and yeah. hire an arbitrator who had a background in those things, but we don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We ask essentially random people yeah. to decide who's telling the truth about a hyper-technical issue. Yeah, that's actually, you know what? I've never thought of it like that, but that's kind of crazy. That's like that's like me asking you about like a, an accounting question. Right. You're like, okay, now who do you think is right, Brad? Right. You're like, I don't know you because you sl- sound better. You look better. Well, well like these I prejudices. Said, we, yeah. We talk to the jurors. Yeah. Uh, you often find that their decision making is not what you would call entirely evidence based. <laughs> yeah, man. I, that's crazy. But is it a good system? Well, I think that's what I think that's a lot of like what reform needs to happen, right? Well, or does I, or who, does it? I who don't do you know. give this power to? Yeah, you that's, know, like in yeah, a criminal I case, know, I don't know. Do we want um, do we want only a judge who sees criminals all day, every long, and who yeah. maybe is subject to reelection in some states? Yeah, yeah. See, now that's something that I've never really agreed with. For me, it's like you know, you got a judge who's up for reelection. Of course, they're gonna. Of course, they're gonna do what get some votes. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you? If you want to win, if you're competitive at all, which most of us are, right? You're gonna, you're gonna, and I don't think you get to be like a high-level judge like that for re-election if you're not competitive. A so little in, bit. In Utah, our judges are appointed by the governor. Okay. And I prefer that to elections. Yeah. Uh, in Nevada, they are elected and they campaign and they accept campaign donations. No way. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. That I, doesn't. I, no, that it, shouldn't be right. They're subject to regulation, I'm sure. I'm. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Law firms in states where our judges are elected. Come on. They donate probably to everybody's campaign. Um, Dude. Yeah. I, I have a very high opinion, though, of the judiciary, the judges in Utah. Yeah. Uh, I'm consistently impressed with them. Okay. Right? And they yeah. rule against me. I mean, I don't always win. Yeah. I've yeah. disagreed with them, you know, plenty of times, but right. I've always felt like I got a fair shake from them and that okay. they, were, they were doing their darndest to understand the issues. Yeah. Yeah. And decide things fairly. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, but as far as, like, like, one of the big things right now, obviously, and this just kind of ties in, and I just want like want to know your thoughts. There's no right or wrong, but like, wh- what about like some kind of criminal justice reform? Like, is jury like you brought up a good point? Like, our jury is yeah. the best way to, because like you know you get some people who are like, um, you know you get you get a a black guy yeah who commits a crime and all of his jurors are white. Mm-hmm. Is that a jury of his peers? No, if they're from the same place. Are we just you know what I mean? Is the definition of peers same skin color, same neighborhood, yeah. <laughs> is it? And then and then they're not allowed this is the crazy thing. They're not allowed to know any they're not allowed to learn anything about the case other than what's presented in court. Right. Which uh I think is kind of crazy. Like how are you supposed to make a decision based on That's like me. Okay. So that's like you and I going to a car dealership. Okay. Okay? We're going we're going to go to a car dealership. All we're right. going to go look at a Honda. Okay? And uh I have a Honda salesman and a Toyota salesman. And I'm going to let them both talk mm-hmm. and then I'm going to pick. You're like, or you just, or you go out somewhere. You know what I mean? It's like, right. I got these two, like one, these two guys are obviously mm-hmm. polling for different things. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or I go to a Hyundai dealership and, uh, and I meet it by a Honda salesman and a Toyota salesman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, you know what I mean? Right. So you've got advocates that are adversarial right yeah they, yeah they each have a clear objective the prosecutor yeah. in a criminal case is trying to convict yeah he wouldn't take a case to trial right if he wasn't convinced that the guy if was he guilty and yeah. he's going to try to convict him yeah um the i think and you're not question allowed about like like a jury of your peers yeah this isn't like really my specialty when we're talking about criminal law and sure 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 but even but in the, your case yeah the the bigger problem i see is not our jurors bias or not um, it's unfortunately, can the accused find and pay for good representation? Jeez, that's messed up. Right? Yeah. You know what? I was just talking to somebody about, um, 
uh, I was just talking to somebody about like po- politicians getting elected. Yeah. And it's almost like who can pay more? Yeah. To get elected. I thought that. In in some in some like but in some cases, I'm not saying every time because there's didn't, definitely didn't Hillary break every fundraising record ever? Didn't she run that election That's with true. more yeah, money? Yeah. Yeah. And a bigger gap between her and Trump than anybody yeah. ever seen before. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, yeah. I, and I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not saying every time. Yeah. And I guess this is kind of why some people don't like when I talk about politics because I'm so like in the middle. Like I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right, too. Yeah, yeah I don't know what to do because I just don't feel like there's a whole lot of. Why can't they let you be in the middle, though? I don't know. This like, is, this people is... really get people really get frustrated with me. They're like, what the. <laughs> a pet peeve of mine right now. Yeah. Is that you have to be all one thing or all another thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Like if if I said, you know, I I'm all for the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. Until you start burning down buildings. Yeah. Then that, they're like, yeah, that to what me the... seems like the obvious place to be. Yeah. Like, I yeah, support yeah, yeah. a good cause. I'm against destruction of personal property and vandalism. Yeah, yeah. But if you speak out against one or the other, then you're like. Some kind of yeah. Then you're like, oh, you might as well. Yeah. If you're not for us, you're against us. And I'm like, yeah. no, 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 no. That's not what I said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I'm for revolutions. I'm for, uh-huh. you know, because that's exactly where I am. I'm like, I get it. I get the Black Lives Matter movement. I get why some people went down there and started. But here's what I didn't get. Then this is where I got in trouble. I was like, yeah, why did you? You didn't break into a grocery store. You didn't break into a, a yeah. Walmart and get diapers. You broke into a Louis Vuitton store, man. Yeah. <laughs> you broke into the Rolex store, dude. Yeah. Like, I, you know what I mean? You broke, you broke. But do you have to say that it's okay to break into a Louis Vuitton store in order to support the principles of Black Lives Matters? It feels yeah, like people yeah, yeah, say yeah. you do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Here's my, here's my problem. And this is my biggest thing is um, when people, so I, I I didn't show up to any of the protests. I actually got mad at one of the people. I saw a sign up there that said, like, white silence is complacent. And I'm like, you don't even know me. Right. You don't even know who I am. Just because I'm not, like, in Bountiful City Hall with a bunch of white people protesting Black Lives Matter means I don't agree with you. You know what I mean? It means I'm complacent or something. Um, But, like, uh, they're, yeah, that's why I got in trouble. Because I was like, I support Black Lives Matter. I think that we should be protesting and I think that we should, I don't know if this, if this sounds like right or anything, but I was like, I think we should hold our vote hostage. I was like, we should, we should get the policies that are actually, in my opinion, mm-hmm. racist policies, yeah. it, you know, and, and that's why I get, that's why I get in trouble. Cause I'm like, ah, I see your side. I see your side. And I think we just, I think if we fight for the truth, we'll eventually get there. But like me, I'm like, dude, we should vote for decriminalization of marijuana. Cause I, you know, I, I want the record to show you looked over both shoulders. Yeah. 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 No, I'm like, I'm like, is somebody here that we're in, we're in the super Republican (laughs) state. Um, but like, come on. I mean, okay. A DUI, your first time offense DUI, Uh three to six months in jail in Utah. Yeah. Three to six months in jail, some hefty fine Right. for driving under the influence of alcohol caught driving under the influence of alcohol had the real potential of hurting people because we know what drunk drivers do and then a, a dime bag of marijuana so a, a, a dime bag right three to six months in jail yeah. hefty fi- it's the same penalty and I could have had it right sitting down in a public place where are they at with the, the decriminalization right now I mean N- nowhere if if a cop, I smell yeah. marijuana downtown every day. Oh yeah, it's all over the place. If a cop sees me gonna, smoking a joint, is he going to do something about it? That's that, I guess that's the I guess that's the point. Right? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm yeah, asking I, in innocence. I really don't know yeah. what happens. I I don't know. I've never been, but I have you know I have friends like, uh, okay, so I had I had an experience where I had um, a friend of mine driving through the Walmart parking lot, mm-hmm. stop at a stop sign, check everyone's clear, no one's walking, no one's coming. Roll through, a car speeds up, tags them. Yeah. No, no one's hurt. It's not like super bad because it's Walmart parking lot. You're not going 50 miles an hour in the wall. But they call the police. Police get there. The car that got hit is filing a report. Mm-hmm. And in the process of getting hit, she, that this person had a, a dime bag of marijuana in mm-hmm. the backpack 
falls out. So what, how does the story end? Someone's with, in jail. I don't with know. The per, yeah, with the person who mm-hmm. got hit by another car getting arrested for the possession of marijuana mm. and in jail and with a hefty fine. Like, and it was like 10 grand. It's like, Whoa. what 19-year-old is going to be able to pay off 10 grand in fines before right. they, they get to do anything? Your license is gone. Mm-hmm. You, have, you have a misdemeanor. Some kind of some kind of class of a misdemeanor that yeah. that you have to disclose if you want like a sales license, or or to work somewhere. You know what I mean? I just feel I'm not like. So now we're holding these guys to the we're holding drunk drivers who get caught speeding on the road drunk, and teenagers with a little bit of weed on them right. the same way. I just I don't know, man. I just don't I I just don't see it. And maybe somebody will convince me. And if you and if you can convince me, like. It's rock and roll, but I'm just having a hard time seeing that right now. No. Do you think uh, Do you think people change their behavior much based on something being criminalized or not? So I, I heard yeah, a quote yeah, today. Yeah, heard a quote today. Um, I heard it from a guy named Ben. Okay. Ben heard it from an atheist in a book somewhere. Okay. Okay. Deal. Okay. S- Sam Harris or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the quote for, through Ben from the atheist was, "I rape and kill as many people as I want to." And okay. the number is zero. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's <It's>, a good. <laughs> well, and, and I'm thinking about yeah. it right now. And uh, you're like, oh, I, yeah. I think that I probably smoke all the weed I want to. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. For me, that's, yeah. that's zero. That's zero. And uh, yeah. So and, are there, are there people out there? There must be, right? I yeah. Mean, our yeah. laws do influence behavior, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that's true. They do. Well, and that's why, that's why my whole thing was like, if you're going to protest, you need to make sure that you, that, that the people you're protesting against, which is policymakers and lawmakers, because uh-huh. that's, that's who we're really fighting against with this movement is to get rid of the, like the fact that like, this got recorded, right? This whole George Floyd thing got recorded is mm-hmm. crazy to me. If I see someone killing somebody, because here's the deal, man. I, I do, re- I've wrestled for 12 years. I've done jujitsu for two years. You can't put your knee on someone's neck and not yeah. have serious consequences. I mean, that's just, it just is what it is, man. So I'm, you see these bystanders filming, like, dude, if I see someone killing somebody, I, I personally feel like I got to intervene, but you can't. I thought about on that a police too. officer. I thought about that. What? Come if, on, man! Don't film it. Go, <laughs> super right. kick that guy right off of him. <laughs> you know, if but if you one of the bystanders had gone and shoved the cop off, and in the process yeah. of doing that, had injured the cop. Yeah. Right. So you're looking at or, it, or even he doesn't yeah. injure him. But anyway, he, yeah. he commits a battery mm-hmm. on the cop. Mm-hmm. Is there any chance that a judge or a jury lets the civilian off in that case and says, "Hey"? The cop was about to kill somebody. This was in defense of Floyd in this case. Is there any yeah. chance that a judge or a jury looks at that film? To go back to your yeah. to go back to your point, if you got enough money, I'm sure you. Could. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. But uh, no. It would help. It help a lot to have a lot of money and a yeah, you know, and a good lawyer, but an attorney. And, but I don't know, man, because we. I don't know, and I love. So let me go back a little bit too. Right. I love police officers. I'm not saying. This was a bad dude. Yeah. Right. Can you think of a harder job in this day and age? Yeah. I really can't. No, dude, it's ridiculous. We, we talk about this it's at work. Ridiculous, man. I point out that I I never show up at work thinking I gotta be careful. Today, someone's gonna try to kill me. Yeah. Right. And uh, if and if I try to defend myself, right, the media is gonna and, t- and kill I've, me. I've got to deal with the threat of serious bodily injury or death to myself. Yeah. And yeah, knowing that yeah. if I if I misevaluate that threat yeah. or if it appears that I misevaluate that threat, right, now right. I'm facing a murder charge. Yeah. Because I was you know, trying to do my job. Now, yeah. not every cop is that innocent. Yes. Right. I agree. Yes. But you're right. I think good cops have to deal with that dilemma with, with bad cops. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's just yeah well, they've got to, they've got to work with a bad cop, but even yeah. the good cop has yeah. to deal with the dilemma of facing the possibility of deadly yeah. force being used against me and the risk of me using deadly force incorrectly. And in, yeah, in return and yeah. being faced with it. That sounds miserable. Yeah. It's a, it's you're between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Man. Yeah. You're, you're between a rock and a hard place because that's, I mean, it's just, it's so, it's just scary, man. And, yeah. and, uh, and see, this is where, this is where people get mad at me. Cause I'm just on the fence. Look, here's the thing. When they started banning chokeholds. Mm-hmm. All right. So I've done jujitsu, not a whole lot. Banning chokeholds in jujitsu. No, no, no. In, in, in like police, police. police, police force, right? Okay. So 
Now, first of all, you got to de- define what a chokehold is because mm-hmm. I feel like half of these cops don't even know mm-hmm. how to do like a air quotes chokehold, mm-hmm. right? Because if I'm doing a really there, really it's just, it's neck compressions, right? If you're doing a choke in jujitsu, you're mainly cutting off the two arteries on the sides of the neck, right? So, so let me just start there. I've been doing those kinds of chokes, yeah, um, for like two years and I have them done every day to me and I do it to other people and no one dies because yeah. you know what you're doing. Like right. I know what I'm doing. Once I, once it's over, it's over and we walk away. So one of the things that I, um, that I was advocating for was not like necessarily defund the police. I, I was saying like move some money to train these dudes Yeah. because like, you know, it's, you know, it's more sad than seeing a police. O- no, okay. I won't say more sad. But one of the saddest things I see is like when a police officer gets punked, like they get beat up because yeah. they don't know what they're doing. Well, the, the Floyd protests happened shortly after the officer in Ogden here was killed. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Shot through a door and died. Yeah. And then uh, nationally, a day or two later, people are rioting about police violence. And it was an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah. yeah it yeah. doesn't make what the officer did to Floyd. OK. No. But, but it, it's it just, did put yeah. into context for me. Not the Floyd officer, but officers generally <laughs> yeah. are dealing with the risk of yeah, death. Yeah, all day, man. They can't. I mean, you can't be a cop because it makes financial sense. There are other oh, ways to make money where no you don't way. risk death like. Well, that. you know what's so funny is what I said. Um, this is why we need police reform. So mm-hmm. I'm for police reform, mm-hmm. and what I mean by police reform is like better training, uh, quality officers. Um, de-escalation techniques like I'm for, I'm for that mm-hmm. but um, so so I'm for like police reform and and when I see that kind of stuff I'm just like dude you get what you pay for though when you hire a 21 year old and you pay him 18 20 bucks an hour because that's what cops make at least in the state of Utah they make around 18 20 bucks an hour so you get a hothead most of the time right um, so a 20 year old uh, and um, you pay him 20 bucks an hour and you give them a gun and a badge and all this authority. What do you think you were going to get, man? Right. You, you, you're going to end up with some corruption. It's hard to change. Dude, right? yeah, it's, it's tough. Uh, so I'm saying like training, de-escalation techniques, because, you know, you, we love the stories of the officer who, never, who gets a gun pulled on him and never pulls out his gun because he knows that this 16-year-old kid is just scared or whatever, right? Right. It, it doesn't always end that way. No. You know what I mean? No, but sometimes... <laughs> the cop gets killed. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. it's just man, but I think uh, for like, but I, I thought it was interesting that we ended on that we ended up talking about like juries and stuff. Juries and cops and because black lives matter. <laughs> I'm for Black Lives Matter. I'm for yeah. police reform. I am also for getting out and voting, like to make the change. Yeah, and not, I think and not just I like think what the, the people rioting would tell you um, is they've been voting. And it hasn't gotten better. And, yeah, and yeah. cynically, I could take it a step farther and say that the stories that motivate these protests yeah. come from places where they have been electing Democrats who have been saying Black Lives Matter for 30 years now. Yeah, man. Right? Yeah, man. So they, they don't feel like the system, well, they don't feel like democracy works for them. I, you know what? To be honest with you, I'm 26, a millennial. I'm super disenfranchised with the whole political system that we have right now. Like I'm in a real dilemma where I'm like, I don't know who to vote for. Yeah. Like I, I don't want either of them, but you can't vote for like some libertarian weird guy. You can, you can, but then it's like, then, then I really feel like my vote. Then I really feel uh, like my vote. <laughs> you're, you're, uh, here's the thing though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're an accountant. Yeah. yeah you okay. know a bit about numbers. Yeah. 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 Statistically speaking, yeah. Your vote is never significant. Right, right. Vote for who wins, vote for who loses, vote for somebody who wasn't yeah. running, write yeah. in Mickey Mouse. You're right. not actually changing the result <laughs> unless you believe that somehow yeah. you voting one way mystically influences a much larger group of like-minded people to vote yeah. the way you voted, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just tough. That's why, that's why I'm so like disenfranchised because yeah. I'm like, dude... But, but then I go, okay, so, but then here's my thought process. I'm like, okay, so I, so I, I figure out what to do with the president, but then I really focus on my local stuff. I think it's a good strategy. Yeah. You know know what I mean? And then I just, I really just focus on my local stuff. But then like, I'm a, I'm, I'm 
socially liberal and, f- and fiscally conservative, mm-hmm. and that doesn't work in Utah. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm like, okay. What do you do? <laughs> you know, I'm. You know what? You know what I'm gonna do? Yeah. I'm gonna start making a bunch of videos about my opinion. It, well, run a podcast, <laughs> run right? A podcast. Right, try to influence people to, to uh, think, try uh, to do, think like you and vote the way yeah. you vote. I, you know, and, and that's what that's all I got. That's all I got, man. Yeah. But, uh, dude, thank you for being here, though. Yeah, glad to do. And it. thanks for thanks for talking with me and and uh, and going over everything, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I look forward to uh, hearing how it turns out. <laughs> yes, sir.